0: Section 19 of Open the Door. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Open the Door by Catherine Carswell, Book 2, Chapter 4, Part 2, 3. Next morning, on first waking, she felt such misery that for some moments she mistook it for physical illness but with gathering consciousness she knew her body quite free from pain her trouble was then not physical what was it with a sudden access of suffering that made her flesh shrink she remembered yesterday's parting embrace it overwhelmed her that she could so yield to a man not yet in fact her lover what was to become of her yet last night there had been no sense of wrong-doing it was as if certain moral standards she had thought long since discarded had reasserted themselves treacherously while she slept for a long half-hour joanna lay trying with tense nerves to see wherein she was a sinner in such an attempt it was inevitable that the religious teaching of her childhood should have a part indeed the very attempt showed how far she was still under the spell of that teaching for her there was no escape save by following it out remorselessly in action and julie's evangel common morality must ever give place to the larger spiritual issue and so in the end to a dominant egoism as between their own souls and god she had always declared her children's errors therefore while joanna like king david was prepared to cry against thee thee only have i sinned her conscience on mrs pender's account troubled her as little as did the laws of moses such were mere worldly concerns to be paid for if put on one side by mere worldly suffering sin if sin there were lay elsewhere yet searching now by this misleading but not ignoble light the only sin joanna could discover lay in her lover's insufficiency if only lewis could have committed himself with her to the risks and sacrifices involved she would have been untroubled but he lacked either the certainty or the courage of his love and this infirmity of spirit in him imposed sin upon her also no man sinneth to himself herein then lay the wrong for them both she was ready to acknowledge this and to accept her share of it but having done so her mind was immediately filled with schemes for its removal where was the use of perceiving a sin unless it could be obliviated lewis must come by the assurance he lacked only so could her conscience and his be appeased then it mattered not what the world did to them but here again joanna was driven back time after time upon her original deep-set belief her instinct so perfectly in harmony with her physical passion that louis could be wholly won only by the giving of herself in faith there could be no pledge no assurance from him beforehand and this was the reason why the choice remained with her but if that was so sin could be exercised only by sinning not by renunciation was this the truth unable to think further joanna rose at length and dressed it was saturday and there was nothing to do often on saturday she went walking in the country with louis but this week there were friends with him from london and she would not see him until tuesday how was she to pass the day at breakfast her mother begged her reproachfully to go to la france quadrant with a measuring tape and notebook the removal was now fixed for a fortnight hence and joanna's self-imposed task of measuring beforehand for furniture and carpets had already been shirked more than once but this morning grateful for the enforced activity she set out at once the hours slipped away quickly as she went from one empty tree-shaded room to another in the new house overlooking the flint mill the mechanical yet exacting work was soothing to her state of mind and by the time she re-emerged from the quadrant a little dazed by the steady physical effort she had been making one o'clock sounded to her surprise across from the university tower she was too late then for the midday meal at home and there directly opposite were the shining plate-glass windows of sangster's the baker the smell of hot bread rose from the pavement gratings and made her mouth water the trays of glistening sweet cakes and the rows of mahogany-colored cookies Still undetached and gleaming with their high varnish of egg gave her a peculiar sensation in her jaws which was almost pain. She could not pass the place on leaving the white spring sunshine of the street and entering the dark inner shop. She did not at once see very clearly, but a young man seated near the door drew her attention by one of those slight but uncontrollable movements that never go unremarked the next moment her sun-dazzled eyes had recognized Lawrence urquhart so he was back he at once made room for her at his table so that she had no choice but to sit by him he was drinking coffee and had been reading from a big brown book which was propped against the sugar basin this he moved aside shutting it carelessly without troubling to notice the page or to replace the marker which lay beside it after the first greeting with its little spontaneous rush of pleasure for the unforeseen encounter shyness came upon them both he said he had been back these three days and then she was sure it was he who had witnessed the meeting between herself and Lewis by the granite steps but when he went on to tell her that his mother had fallen ill while out of town so that he was travelling up and down daily and had not spent a night in glasgow since his return joanna became again uncertain it annoyed her that she should be sensitive now for the first time to his opinion what did it matter whether he had seen her or not to cover their awkwardness they tried to talk of nielsen of the places lawrence had visited of the first payment for her designs which joanna had received some days ago accompanied by an order for more work but very soon the conversation failed again and joanna ate more quickly and drank her coffee without wasting a moment in her desire to be off it seems a sin he said presently stretching out his hand for a cake he did not want don't you think it seems a sin to stay in town on an afternoon like this joanna had to admit that it was a lovely spring day couldn't we go for a walk he asked then speaking as if the idea had that moment struck him and seeing that she was going to refuse him without considering he went on i know such a good walk quite short by the canal all the way the hawthorn is going to be a wonder this year and there's a place for tea near one of the locks i wonder do you know it as he grew more urgent joanna became colder more detached from him he had not finished speaking before she wondered slighting him in secret whether this walk of his might prove one which later she could show to Lewis. Lewis was always accusing her of ignorance of her own countryside, but as her companion searched her face, something in his good eyes penetrated her suddenly, unexpectedly, deeply, not that she would acknowledge it. On the contrary, in that very moment she busied her mind more and more consciously, more and more in pure wickedness, on Lewis's behalf and it was as if she dealt deliberate wounds to the eyes that faced her across the little table but all the same she had become possessed of the triumphant knowledge of how those same eyes at present so steady and anxious would lighten would transform themselves under her kisses meanwhile she heard herself giving perfunctory consent to lawrence's suggestions for the afternoon and with a show of polite interest which masked even from herself her shocking excitement she listened to his enthusiastic description of a kind of little farm-place above the lock where the woman gave one home-made jam and fresh-baked griddle scones for tea after all joanna excused her acquiescence to herself unconscionably it would be better than staying all afternoon at home to-morrow sunday would be bad enough and she had Monday as well to get through before seeing louis the sudden thought followed that on tuesday louis would learn of her walk with lawrence this was enlivening and involuntarily she smiled at her companion as if prepared now for enjoyment he found it hard to subdue the delight caused in him by that smile of malicious sweetness but when they were well got on their way and were strolling side by side a pair of young lovers to the casual eye along the canal which was festive with newly formed leaves and the hard ball-like beginnings of blossom she repented that she had come how lacking in savor was this compared with even her least happy hours with louis what was louis doing now at this very moment what sort of people were those london friends of his as the longing to be with louis increased like a fever her self-distaste for having consented to the present situation was also augmented and as both emotions intensified each other her spite against lawrence crouched yet lower and stiffened for the spring she was not made gentler by the fact that lawrence was talking more than he usually did in her company he was talking with positive gaiety now of the habits of the mayflies which drifted in derelict heaps on the surface of the canal now on a prospective lectureship in mythology and folk-lore for which in time he hoped to be a candidate now of the black cat at bruges where nielsen had introduced him to the great half-mad irish sculptor connolly again with a curious kind of tremulous very youthful unction which joanna particularly resented partly because it was so scotch in him partly because she guessed it a cloak for emotion he undertook to describe at length a solitary walk he had made from zurich across the alps into italy and as with so many ordinarily silent people speech when it came to him was all absorbing lawrence's companion well knew that he went untroubled by her presence for this hour at least and as he persisted glowing and unobservant she withdrew herself in a more and more violent aloofness as the tigress withdraws upon herself under the dark thicket before she leaps with gathered strength upon some unwitting beast that gambles outside in the sunshine so joanna with her bright hair blowing and her fresh virginal cheeks was essentially at this moment a thing hunched up with a desire to inflict pain how dared lawrence stretch himself unconscious as an animal in the spring sunshine finding happiness in himself in all about him even in her unresponsive companionship while she walked by his side in torment how dared he in her fury of malevolence she had the impulse to push him with all her might into the dark water of the canal then how she would rush to louis abandoned and laughing how she would throw herself into his arms but later as they sat drinking tea and eating fleury griddle scones in the cottage which was on a little hillock above the lock-house her anger against lawrence changed its form insidiously and now if lawrence was more than ever in her power joanna was no less the victim of a ruthless force with leaping excitement she looked across at his contented face he was grown handsomer as she had already noticed from his holiday and happy exposure to the sun and as she looked she knew finally and clearly that she must see his features transfigured as she alone could transfigure them she must have him no longer content but entirely at her mercy abruptly she rose and moved from the table to the window these last few minutes had brought a silence between them she had seen a puzzled look cross her friend's face and with all the weight of imposed and inherited inhibitions she was struggling against her deepest impulse it was good of you to bring me to this pretty place she said it was the first banality that came to her but in each tone of her voice the triumph of impulse sounded in reply lawrence got up and came to her knocking against a chair on his way across the room he was shaken through and through by her altered manner and voice by the strange glance she had given him before she turned away by the subtle but overwhelming appeal of her movement and of her whole body there by the window he stood behind her waiting he was near enough for her to feel his breathing on the nap of her neck but still he waited in terrible hesitation from the first he had kept his feeling for this woman apart had refused to connect it with that passionate dreaming which he regarded as the bane of his life and he could not now believe what his senses were telling him loudly enough not at all he replied feebly he would try even at the last gasp to put the incredible thing from him and avoid every lasting catastrophe on the contrary it was so friendly of you to come more friendly even than i dared to hope from your letters but now joanna turned her face to him and he was lost all her features seemed to him to utter a cry for help the eyes were the eyes of a woman drowning and already half submerged but more than in the eyes the urgency was centred in the mouth with its sad young contours he could see the strong teeth which for some reason in their slight irregularity had more power than any other single characteristic of hers to haunt and disturb him and what was her appeal was it for comfort for refuge for love he did not know he only knew that whatever it was she must be answered and with the whole world darkening about him he put out his hand and took hers i think you would be the best of friends said she uncertainly and she trembled they both stood trembling together full of fear all the world an abyss beneath them only in the remote distance joanna seemed to perceive the faint luminous beginnings of a rainbow that arched over a world of gray chaos there there it was dim but shining the gateway of escape from louis do you really mean that asked Lawrence, almost voiceless and his eyes never moved for an instant from the lips he so awfully loved joanna with a sudden departure of strength from her knees had sunk down facing him upon the chintz-covered window-seat through the widely thrown open lattice they could feel the cool airs of the spring sundown and below was the whitewashed lock-house so cold and compact and pretty in the mounting shadow and the closed lock gates through the joints of which the heavy thwarted water hissed threateningly i do mean it joanne answered looking at his hands and though she was fighting hard for steadiness her voice went wavering pathetically like a lost child's i wish i could know you were my friend i think i need you not one other word could she speak but there was no need for the next moment lawrence's black head was against her knees against the knees that even now he dared not picture as a woman's he had dropped crouching on the floor before her burying his face in her skirts and his arms clasped her with trembling determination you know i am yours he said to do as you wish with at any time in any way do you mean you love me over joanna's chaotic gray world the rainbow gateway of escape arched more and more radiantly here was what lewis could never give her what at the eleventh hour would save her from lewis but when lawrence first raised his head and looked up at her she was filled with sheer terror seeing what she had done so she thought in dismay must dying men look you must always have known i loved you he replied For when she was alone again and at home joanna tried hard to shut out all that had happened but a single fact lawrence had offered her a way of escape from louis she had called and he had answered and so there was plighted troth between them no matter that from the moment of his single embrace she had retreated as subtly as surely from him no matter that now in solitude she was becoming for the first time in her adult life aware of sheer wickedness gushing up in her as a spring essential to her nature there should be no going back with each hour that passed the desire increased to inflict suffering what lay behind this desire and beyond its fulfilment she refused to contemplate at first she was determined to write to lewis cutting herself off entirely and at once but when sunday morning came she could not do this instead she sent him a note telling him that she had engaged herself to marry Lawrence urquhart and that she would explain everything face to face if he cared to meet her on the coming tuesday as had already been arranged between them from the moment of posting this all her force contracted into a single spark of expectancy to see his face that was her one need as for Lawrence there would be time later on to think of him she was not to see him again till wednesday his mother's illness had helped joanna to make this arrangement Five. in Colessey street there was a deathly atmosphere of sabbath Lynette had gone out julie was closeted in prayer with eva gedge one of the neighbors played hymns lingeringly on an american organ joanna felt that she must run out of the house or go mad but where to run to the streets were worse than indoors though it was afternoon they resounded with gratuitous church bells they were tolerable at such times only for swift passage and to whom could she pass through them mildred was gone to london for easter carl nilsen was in germany the pringles like most other people were out of town it crossed joanna's mind however with a spurt of hope that it was just possible femi might be alone at sans souci on the saturday there had been she remembered an orchestral concert at which femi's favorite soprano had been singing surely for such an occasion she would have returned to town it was at least worth trying for so joanna swung away to the south side of the town perched and clinging to her hat on a wildly rocking tramcar. The electric cars rushed and swayed on a Sabbath with special defiance as if repudiating the jog-trot observance of the horse-cars they had not long supplanted. And she told herself how glad Femi would be upon hearing of her engagement to Lawrence. Though little had been said between them of Louis, she knew that her friend regarded that whole situation as hopeless, or in her own vernacular as simply no earthly. And now, with the wind in her face and the gay motion of the car as it tossed her uphill and down femi's friend was ready to admit the verdict it might not be true to say that she had envied the straightforward devotion of young jimmy in which femi throve and put forth blossoms like a healthy plant but it was none the less a satisfaction that she could take her place as it were in the same sunny unadventurous plot after all There was not a sweetness in plain common sense, but when she reached the villa all the blinds were drawn down and there was no sign of life. It was a disappointment. She felt repulsed, quite flat suddenly. Only now did she realize how desperately she had been counting on Femi's approval. Hoping against hope, she entered the garden and walked up the path to the front door. To her joy, the outer door, at least, was unbarred she rang the bell eagerly but waited in vain for any answering signs from within again after a minute she rang this time without expectancy and again nothing happened except that another tram car went rocking past outside on the road and the people on the top looked down on her efforts mockingly as it seemed to her then just as she was turning to go one of the blinds in the bow-window of the dining-room moved a very little and she distinguished Femi's face peering out below it femmy she cried running up the steps as the face instantly disappeared again on recognizing her femmy femmy within the house to her relief there was an answering cry and she heard the familiar characteristic sound of femmy's feet thudding childishly across the stone hall but the moment she had set eyes on Femi's face, her own affairs sank into insignificance. It was so altered, that usually gay visage, with long-continued weeping, and the small, charming features were set in such lines of fear that seeing it, Joanna feared for her friend's wits. At first they could do nothing but hug each other, Femi returning Joanna's embrace convulsively. Then they went together into the sunless, calico-covered dining-room femi what is wrong exclaimed joanna tell me what is it my darling or shall i go away would you rather i went away no no femi begged clutching her like a despairing child don't go don't leave me i'm that glad to see you i thought i was going out of my mind till you came see sit here i'll make tea or no let's go to the kitchen this room is like death itself oh lord what a comfort to have you wait i'll tell you i'll just put the kettle on first in the kitchen joanna sat on the edge of the table watching her friend's impetuous movements surely no one else had so to fly about to make a cup of tea and turning over in her mind all the calamities that could have happened the fact that Femi could think of tea was no proof that her trouble was a small one if the last trump had sounded Femi would have contrived to get tea before answering the summons besides in spite of her lively movements there was still all the while that deep painful frown between the brows joanna could not doubt that something serious had happened i'm going to new zealand announced Femi when she had pushed away her thrice empty cup and she threw back her face down which the tears were now rapidly coursing going to-night and I'm terrified. It's Jimmy, she continued. He's in Liverpool now. No one knows but his father and me. And I'm to join him tonight. The day after tomorrow we sail. If we didn't, we would have to go to prison. It's a fearful thing. Yes, wait. I'll try to tell you. It really wasn't Jimmy's fault. At least heaps of men do the same. He says every day. Only they don't get found out just at the wrong time. And later on, people only think how clever they were. But anyhow, with him, it was all for my sake, so that we could get married sooner. We were both sick, tired of waiting. No one knows. Lately, it has been awful. If it's anyone's fault, it's Papa's and mamma's. They could have helped us long ago instead of waiting to leave us money when they die. But they wouldn't. Parents are awfully wicked, I think. Don't you? But oh i don't want to go away i mean i didn't and you know papa was giving us the villa next year and we had nearly all the furniture for it now jimmy's father will take that to pay part of the debt gradually as she grew calmer femmy was able to give joanna a preciser account of the catastrophe jimmy had been speculating with business money and borrowed money at that femmy herself did not know the exact nature or extent of the crime She only knew that he had done something big enough and bad enough to be sent to prison for, and that he had risked this only for love of her, otherwise his record was clean. It was because of this that his father, and his creditors for the sake of his father, were willing to hush things up, but the condition of hushing up was that he should leave the country at once, and if there was one thing Femi was sure of, it was that once the facts came to her parents ears she would never never on this earth be allowed to follow her disgraced lover it was now she felt or never and jimmy needed her and she needed him and she had promised and their passages were booked steerage and they were to be married by special license before sailing on tuesday and here was her ticket to liverpool which jimmy had given her yesterday in her stocking for safety but it would be a lie to say that the prospect did not fill her with absolute terror to her the voyage was a horror the new country a place of rawness and struggle desperate struggle for one's bare subsistence the pringle family was too newly removed from real poverty for its daughter not to have this dread and more and more exquisite as it receded seemed the south side villa with its antiques its deep armchairs, its rose-patterned chintzes to joanna out of whose blood generations of easy if frugal living had bred all fear of destitution this was the least part of femmy's trouble how joyfully thought she would she have followed a dishonored and penniless louis to any part of the world if he had but summoned her and it was by this envy more than by sympathy that she presently succeeded in cheering her friend to some degree at first femi was astonished by the mere possibility of envy of her lot but it did not fail in its effect indeed before an hour was past she found herself able to laugh with tremulous amusement after tea they had gone upstairs to finish the packing which joanna's arrival had interrupted and joanna had set about making an inventory of the once precious bottom drawer possessions which had mostly to be left behind no doubt annie whose own wedding was not far off would buy the things and send her sister the money annie could be counted on for that as they spoke of this joanna's own secret trembled on her lips but she could not bring herself to utter it femmy's train was at seven and as the afternoon drew on she grew nervous again without joanna she declared she simply did not know how ever she should have managed it was joanna who strapped the luggage her own fingers trembled so that joanna went for the cab while she sat shaking all over on the edge of the bed but half dead with fear as she was Femi had no doubts nothing could have dissuaded her she was jimmy's and this awful thing had to be gone through so far except for one or two moments under joanna's influence during the packing she had enjoyed none of the savour of adventure it was too real as she saw it too stark for that but jimmy would be on the platform at liverpool waiting for her and once with him she would be all right she clung blindly to that joanna would have made the journey with her but Femmy refused with sudden firmness i must learn to do things by myself now she said trembling but resolute otherwise i shan't be much good to jimmy out there so they said good-bye Femmy hung out of the carriage window fluttering her sopping handkerchief and joanna weeping also torn between tenderness the pain of parting and sharpest envy stood waving on the platform till the train was out of sight there was nothing to do now but to go drearily home end of section 19